Hello, and welcome to Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his fans, and the magic and miracle of his music. I am Jesse Jackson, and I am thrilled to have one of my online Bruce buds, uh, Alton Brock, Bach, um, get your name wrong right from the start, uh, on the uh, podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, Malton. Uh, pleasure to be here. Yeah, so uh, very exciting, um, and we're going to spend a little time talking about Bruce, and so why don't you start out, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found Bruce. Well, uh, I'm a native of New Jersey, so uh, Bruce Springsteen is kind of required listening. I was going to um, say, is that mandatory, <laughs> like, you know? I think when you... I think when you move into New Jersey, you get a, uh, to quote that old Wayne's World joke, you get a copy of Born to Run with Packets of Tide in the mail uh, <laughs> when you cross the state line. Um, and especially where I grew up, being uh, having a Sicilian grandmother, Frank Sinatra, and then, of course, being a child of the 80s, Bon Jovi, that trifecta of Sinatra, Springsteen, and Bon Jovi yes. uh, kind of dominated my formative years. I, I can imagine, you know, um, I grew up in Louisiana, um, did not know, uh, you know, we, my family, we listened to both kind of musics, the um, country and Western, to quote the Blues Brothers. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, um, Hank Williams and Merle Haggard and uh, a lot of um, Conway Twitty. And um, I didn't get to hear about Bruce till um, – my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, had a friend, Lisa, who was going to school up north, and she started talking about this guy named Bruce Springsteen, and uh, a girlfriend I had before that, we went to hear um, Kenny Rogers in concert, and they were playing Darkness on the Edge of Town before, you know, while they were setting up the um, stage. And, wow. Um, which is, you know, what a mix, right? Right. And, no kidding. And so, um, so you know, the river was the first thing I bought from him and kind of didn't get my consciousness. Um, you know, I bought the other albums, but as I t- told the story many times, I didn't see him live for a lot of reasons till 2002, the Rising Tour. Right. And there's two kind of fans, right? The people that see a concert and go, oh, that was pretty good. And those that go, oh my goodness, I want to sell everything I have and follow this guy around. Why well, was the second kind? Right. So I have now become obsessed. So yeah. And I've, I've, I've known so many people who never liked Springsteen. They got a free ticket, a buddy got a ticket or something and said, Hey, will you come with me? They go to the show and the very next day they go to the record store and buy the entire, you know, discography. Um, and they're, they're hooked and fan life yeah my Um, yeah my wife was not a big fan and she was there at the rising tour with me and we had really high seats and she had never heard any of the album and she was eh, you know either way and kind of put up with my obsession and then in 2012 um we decided to go on a vacation together we had not been on a vacation without another couple or without the kid um in we couldn't count. So uh, her and I, we drove um, up to, we stopped in Kentucky, did a lot of bourbon tours. And then we went up to Cleveland, uh, met a friend there, went to the show, and then went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, came back down, did more bourbon tours and went home. And 
we had done a lot of homework. So I had done a lot of walking so that I could walk the tours and not, you know, be out of breath. And she had listened to a lot of Bruce and she came out of it and she said, I don't know if it changed my life, but it did change my concert going life. Um, right. I, I now think anything under two and a half hours, they're cheating us. Right. And, um, and I am amazed, you know, she had the biggest crush on a uh, max. She's like, I, I just, I can't believe at their age, they're going on like that. And so she now likes some of the music, but anytime she can see him live, she does. It's funny. My wife was, you know, when, when we first met, she, uh, you know, she grew up in Missouri and uh, I had moved to Kansas City a week uh, a week before 9-11. Uh-huh. And when I met her about a year and a half later, she had never heard of Bruce Springsteen. But she grew up listening to um, Gordon Lightfoot, uh, basically anybody that could tell a good story in right. a song. And I said, well, then you got to listen to Bruce. Sure. And I'll tell you, that was what hooked it for her. Um, yes. She listened to The River. And, you know, in a lot of ways, even though the details are, are mixed, it kind of um, details, uh, not only my own parents, but I imagine, you know, yeah. a lot of people and it just resonated with her. And, you know, to this day, you know, it's not just, she's a fan because of me, she's a fan yeah. in her own right. And of the four times that I've been able to see him live, she was there, uh, three of the times. And actually, um, she was pregnant with one of our children at, oh, how fun. at those three times. The only reason we didn't see him with the our third son was Bruce didn't tour in the U.S. while she was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we yes. surely would have. Um, but I, and it's funny you mentioned you know people who go to the show. Uh, I brought my cousin. We were actually going to the Kansas City show in 2009 that got canceled. We were across the street getting a beer before the show when the waitress said, "Oh, it got canceled." I found out. We went home. And I, I showed him the live in Barcelona yeah. uh, DVD, but, and he's just like, wow, that's amazing. I says, no, but it's, it's totally different seeing him live. So yes. uh, when he came to Kansas city again, I think in 2012, I bought my cousin the ticket again. I said, we got to go. And I remember the whole trip there going on about how great it was going to be and magical. And, yeah. and then on our way to the seat, I'm starting to think, you know, maybe I've bragged this up. Like, I've so oversold big that, this. Like, right. Yeah. Like maybe I oversold it that even Bruce Springsteen can't deliver. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'm happy to report that uh, about two songs in, I looked over and, and it kept up for the rest of the three hours. I looked over at my cousin, who is very blasé, does not mm. get easily excited, but had this jaw dropped look on his face. And I said, what do you think? He goes, I've never seen anything like this in my life before. And I said, good. You know, like and the next day he went out and he bought the river and a couple of other vinyl. Um and, I, you know, a fan was born. It was great. You know, I was at that show. Um, we saw um, the Cleveland show. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he went overseas, you know, Europe. And then in that fall, he did another round. And um, he did Louisville. And, um, and you know, I called Linda at work. And I said, hey, uh, Bruce is going to be in Louisville. Get the tickets. Because, you know, she loved the bourbon tour and she was just loved all the, you know, distilleries. And so, um, and we, at that time we went to see, um, uh, you know, we went to Kentucky Downs and, you know, Stephen, little Stephen had said it's the, and I'm going to get the math right, but it's the, the fastest three minutes in sports by uh, 60 times 60 or something. Right. Uh, and um, then 
my friend and I, Sam, went to Kansas City to see him. And Linda was like, you know, I'm actually a little jealous that you're, I'm not going. Oh, wow. And I said, I'm sorry. And um, so I have a question for you because my friend Sam said, okay, are people in Kansas City beaten down by him doing Kansas City? Because they seemed like they were thrilled. And so I have, that's, we're going to start with that question. Because he says, you know, I can't, you can't play Kansas City without playing the song. And they do it. And the audience went crazy. And we're looking like, okay, do they not feel like this is cliched? So there you go. Well, you know, and, and okay, so I, I lived in Kansas City for about two years, then moved away. So I okay. was never, uh, unfortunately, never a big part of the Kansas City culture. I think okay. I moved there for um, other reasons, you know, financial. Yeah. I was young yeah. and stupid. And I never thought of Kansas City as a permanent home. So I don't think okay. I ever, you know, like dug my heels in like, this is going to be my new life. Okay. I, I better get used to the culture. Okay. But um Yes, that is exactly the sense that I got too. Was that um, you know everybody was just you know they were blown away by the raucousness of yeah. him opening with that, and I thought, boy, what a you know I was wondering if he was going to do anything special, yes. um, you know, especially to make up for having canceled, which you know he he admitted doesn't you know he doesn't do lightly, yeah. um, and so I was like, wow, what a great way to open the show, and I remember, and I'm I can never I always find out too late or I, I don't yeah. have the money. So I always end up getting nosebleeds and all four times I'm always with my back against the wall, yeah. and which is better than not going at all because Absolutely. now that I'm back in New Jersey, the cost usually, unless you are right there at 9am when the tickets go on yeah. sale by 930, they're sold out. So it's funny. I had to go to the Midwest to see my, my home state's native son. <laughs> and, but in a, in a funny way, that was a good thing because we could never, my wife and I, especially once we started having kids, couldn't, like you said, could never go on a vacation. Right. And so we would always, when we did go on vacation, it was always to New Jersey to see friends and family. But, um, going to see Springsteen was like having New Jersey come to us. Yes, I can and see that. So that was it. Like, you know, for three hours, I was in New Jersey again. Mm-hmm. And then I got went back to kind of like my mediocre life in the Midwest, <laughs> which I, my, I made the best of. But I yes. felt like deep down, I'm going to be back in Jersey one day. And, you know, I'm happy to say I made it. So, well, that's cool. Um, I um, my dad was in the army, so we moved around a lot. I was born in Louisiana. We spent a lot of time just traveling all over the world and. I moved to, we got married in 84, we moved to Dallas in 86, and we've kind of been there ever since. So Dallas has become home, but my, uh, both her parents uh, lived in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, My mom still does. And, um, you know, my hope is to see Jola Blanc done live once, um, just because it was the, the fight song of the college I went to, McNeese State University has Jolie Blanc as their fight song. And um and and so I would love to see him do that live. Uh, so uh that would be pretty cool. <laughs> I will say I you know when I uh, getting back to your your first yeah. question, I was thinking about this about how I first experienced Bruce Springsteen. And like I said, yeah. I grew up here, but I can remember it's one of my first memories that um, when I was I maybe three years old, I still remember this very vividly. Uh, my father had born to run 
on vinyl playing and he had those old, you know, wooden stand up, sure. uh, you know, uh, standing speakers. Yeah. And so I'm on the floor right next to the speaker. So obviously the floor is vibrating Yeah. and I'm listening to it. And obviously, you know, enjoying what I hear. I remember the opening yeah. of Thunder Road and Backstreets and all this. But then when my father flips the, the, the record and drops the needle and Born to Run starts and <laughs> I'm sitting on the floor um you know, three years old, right next to the speaker and born to run takes off, right? Yeah. Like a motorcycle revving its engine. And I remember distinctly turning towards the speaker thinking, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and um, it just connected because years later, my, my aunt told me and my parents say, well, I remember you saying this. I don't know if it was your first complete sentence, but yeah. my aunt swears my first complete sentence was, um, I want to listen Boost Bing Bean. <laughs> so, which apparently it's funny. I pronounced my W's with a V. So, I, you know, I am German, but nobody in our family. But I, I apparently I pronounced words all the time with a German accent. But from that moment on, I, uh, you know, as a teenager, you know, in the early '90s, started getting yeah. into grunge and that scene, sure. um, and and kind of got away from it. But it's funny how those things that you know, are with you when you're young, you always come yeah. back to, you can deviate, yes. you can move away from, but, you know, deep down in you, you know, there's something um, that doesn't go away. And to me, this, to this day, Thunder Road is still my favorite song of any artist. Yes. Um, I still connect with uh, Born to Run, I think, more than any other album. Yes. Um, for my own reasons, a lot of it, you know, every song on that album yeah. is about getting out, right? Getting, yeah. getting out of town, getting out mm -hmm. of uh, New Jersey, getting yeah. out of, you know, getting to the promised land. And I grew up in a dysfunctional household with alcoholism. And that yeah. that theme of getting out yeah. really hit home. Even at a very young age, I wanted to get out. And so to this day, uh, when I listen to Born to Run, the whole yeah. album, uh, it's just, you know, I... I know it's kind of cliche and corny to say it's a magical experience, but it's funny how, um, you know, words and music can move you in, uh, in such a profound way. It's, it's just a, it's kind of a fascinating, you know, way in the human being is designed, I find. Well, yeah. Um, early when we had moved to Dallas, um, we had Chris, who's our son, he's now 26 and, you know, but he was in, you know, a child and we're in the car, we were going somewhere on a Saturday and some station was playing classic country and um you know a um merle haggard daddy frank the guitar man came on and i knew every word and my wife said how the hell do you know the song <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. and i said you know I, I my parents i you know i i listened to this i knew this i i grew up you know, um, with, you know, you were beaten so soundly if you didn't, you know, watch Johnny Cash on Saturday night. And so uh, I hear you. And, and I was going to ask you, and I'm glad you talked about that, that, you know, I never had a disdain for country uh, music, but I kind of wanted to find my own way. And, you know, and I, I went through a stage where I knew a lot of pop rock, you know, I went to high school in the seventies. So mm -hmm. a lot of pop music. And then, um, a lot of my friends were into kiss. So I, you know, listened to some kiss albums and right out of high school, I discovered the beach boys, right. In 77, I discovered, you know, the California sixties and fell in love with the beach boys. And I still do. In fact, you know, a few weeks ago, um, Bruce, 
appeared on stage with Brian Wilson, you know, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. and um, my friend said, if you had been in the audience, you could die right then and there happy, couldn't you? And I said, yes, forget my son's wedding day, forget Steve's <laughs> grandchildren, if I saw Brian Wilson and Bruce Springsteen on the same stage, Lord, take me away, I, I am ready to go. And see, and I got to ask you, so, yeah. the, and, I, and there's a reason I'm asking, but sure. if you think back to the years when you were 11 to 14, yeah. what would you say, you know, the music that you listened to the most yeah. at that time, what would you say that was that you listened to during those early adolescent years? There's, I, I have a method. There's no, a reason no, no, why I, I mentioned this. Um, like I said, I, I know, um, you know, I know uh, we went through a stage of Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard. Um, Willie Nelson had not gotten popular yet. Um, my, I know Johnny Cash, I know, um, the, um, probably Conway Twitty, um, Hank Williams was always played in my house. So, you know, it was the true, um, Eddie Arnold. Yeah. And, and then, and my mom loved, um, Fats Domino. Right, right. Darren. So I remember hearing a lot of Bobby Darren as a kid, and and um, I remember um, you know just a lot of country music, and and so um, I would you say that that's still the music that you know that that you listen to say in that time period? I don't know what years that would be, yeah. but would you say that even now, you know, kind of uh, later in life, that's still the music that you connect to, that you go to when? Um, you know, you want to go home again, right? Or you want to kind of, you know, get nostalgic. Do you find that it's that music that you listen to during those years? That's an interesting point. I had a very um, volatile childhood. My um, my dad was in the army, so we moved around a lot. I went to 12 different schools through first through eighth grade. Um, and um, I, I would say comic books do that for me. I believe that yeah. I would, I would, I will pick up a Superman or Legion of Superheroes comic book, and it will take me back to happiness. Um, Star Trek does a lot to a little bit. Um, no, I, I believe um, I respect that music, but it truly is, um, you know, Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. And then when I got hit by the Bruce bug, I mean, hard after seeing right. him live, um, you know, I I think Land of Hope and Dreams. And um, my son had a tough freshman year in college. I won't go into the details, but he, he struggled on some things. And he was, you know, as the way you are when 18 or 19, you know, right. discouraged and worried and, you know. I would play that song and I'd say, you know, faith will be rewarded. You right. know, this, you know, this train takes everyone and you cannot, you know, you can overcome anything. So um, I think a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. And um, but that's an interesting question. I, I bring you, it. I bring it up because I, I read a really interesting study. And, and this I promise this will cycle back to Bruce. But it's a really interesting idea that they found that the human adolescent mind, um, it's the years between 11 and 14 that our minds 
uh, link emotion with okay. sensory information. So the music we listen to, the books we read, the movies we see, between those years, uh, we link emotion with them, and it's a permanent link that oh, stays okay. with us the rest of our lives. It's it's the reason why baby boomers like my father, you know, they still love yeah. the Beatles 50 years later, right? It's why I still love Pearl Jam and Nirvana and R.E.M., because that was the stuff I listened to, you know, when I was 11 to 14, right? Um, but it's funny how deep that runs, and uh, very briefly, again, we're going to cycle back to Bruce. No, 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 but... this is fascinating. <laughs> so, I appreciate so... that. One day, uh, so over the course of my marriage, I have I, I have a very anybody who knows me on Twitter knows I always have opinions about everything, uh, and I'm not afraid of voicing them. But yeah. my wife just noticed every time we'd watch TV, I you know I'd always comment about the actor or actress, and she noticed that there was this pattern developing where all of the actresses that I commented, I found it you know I thought pretty or whatever, yeah. they they always fit a similar type, and she always just thought, huh, that's interesting. And then, uh, you know, there was always, uh, you know, a brunette with uh, with bangs and dark eyes. Okay. And anyway, so we're getting she's just kind of curious, like where this came from. But I don't think ever, vo you know, uh, vocalized. Right. it. So um, one day we're watching I Love the 90s on VH1 and they do the retrospective about the Wonder Years. And my wife goes, did you have a thing for Winnie Cooper when you were young? And I said, <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, every guy my age did. Sure. She goes, serious? I said, yeah. And if you're a little older, it's, you know, Alyssa Milano. If it's you're a little yeah. younger, it was Topanga from Boy Meets World. And, right. you know, it's the reason why my dad still loves Marilyn Monroe. It's, yes. you know, that, you know, that when you go back even further, you go to Rita Hayworth. But right. she said, do you think that's the reason why you still like brunettes with, with bangs? And I thought, oh, my God, you know, my, my wife psychoanalyzed me and got it right. Uh, a week later, I came home from work and she had dyed her hair and gotten her bangs trimmed. <laughs> ah, very nice. Uh, as if to psychologically manipulating <laughs> yeah. uh, me to finding her more attractive. Which... Oh, that's anyway, awesome. But it makes sense that yes. study. Again, I, I read it. I, I kind of tucked it away and I think about it because I can remember when I got my first CD player. And of course, I had my own music. I, you know, I was listening. This is. Um, like right when Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell 2 came out, you know, and I'm listening to certain songs on repeat. But then I go through my dad's CD collection. And of course, he had, you know, Queen and and, uh, you know, he had, of course, Springsteen, pretty much every album. I grabbed Born to Run and I listened to Thunder Road again, probably for the first time in a few years. Yeah. And I had that thing as soon as I figured out how to just repeat the same song. I did until I learned every word. Right. And there's a lot of words in that song. There <laughs> you is. Know? There's no there's nothing repeated. There's no. no chorus that go, you know, cycles around. It's just, you know, one long verse. And um, to this day, of course, I still I, I've sung it to every single one of my kids when they yes. were infants. But um, I think it's because of that time period, you know, 11 to 14, yeah. that I really connected with the music. It's yeah. still why it's with me. You know, even though I've I like I love magic and wrecking ball and all of the yeah. newer stuff on the rising. It's that stuff that I listened to during those years that just kind of, you know, glued almost permanently along with all the other stuff. So it's interesting, I think, you know, to that's very interesting because see, I because, you know, I remember buying um, the live set. I remember buying um, Tunnel of Love. Did not buy the other two. I kind of drifted apart. You know, we had a young baby and didn't buy either, you know, of uh, those. And then I remember after 9-11, you know, the, the, where he and the E Street Band do um, City of Ruins. Right. 
And so I remember picking up the album and listening to it once or twice, then going to the concert and feeling as if I was in the middle of a book trilogy where I kind of got what's going on, but I didn't know the beginning and I didn't know the ending. Right. And so I... So then when Devils and Dust came out, I wore that thing to death, and then when he came here to perform, and that's when I didn't understand. I knew that he would do a lot of songs, but I didn't understand then because that was only the second time I'd seen him that you cannot cram for a Springsteen concert because his diverse song selection – you, I mean, you can make an educated guess of about two thirds of the sets, but unless you're very versed in his catalog, they're going to pull things that you don't know, you know. Right. And so, but I knew enough of them, and um, came to do that. So I have more affection for the albums that came after the Rising. I, I love Magic. I, I love. Um, you know, I love Wrecking Ball, um, and and I love High Hopes because they were new to me, and and I learned them as I was going. So, like, if I picked a, right. if I picked a, uh, an imaginary concert, like a concert, I would have a lot of stuff from tracks and these latest albums, and I would probably have hardly anything from, um, you know, earlier stuff. And in fact. I would be fine with a concert that had nothing earlier than Tunnel of Love. Really? Yeah, I know, which is just, wow. you know, isn't that fascinating? That is, uh, yeah, really. Like, so you would take anything from Human Touch or Lucky Town over Darkness or The River? Yes, and it wow. is. And, 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 um, and don't get me wrong. I love Darkness on the Edge of Town, and, and I love The River, and I do that. But I would rather hear those songs than I would... I mean, I would give up. I don't know if I'd give up. And there's, I'll tell you a quick funny story. Um, I had seen Bruce seven times and had never heard Thunder Road Live. Wow. And it just, by luck of the draw, I'd never heard it. And so um, he played here in Dallas on April 6th, um, 2014, for the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. It was a free concert. And uh, it was rainy and it was cold, so they didn't have a big crowd. And so he came out to uh, Sweet Georgia Brown and then did Jump. And um, and it was just an amazing concert. Really heavy on hits, but you know he knew his audience. He knew that a lot of people were there, not because they wanted to see Bruce. It's because it was free and they were there for the you know Final Four. Right. And so he ended the show with Thunder Road by himself, and he had Patty stay and sing background. So I'm like, okay, that's it. I got to see Thunder Road. Yay! It's and, funny. I, I remember yeah. when I saw him, we, when we saw him for the first time in 2007 on the Magic Tour, we were, I think it might have been the 10th show of the tour where, yeah. you know, everything is still getting worked out. The, the set list is pretty static. You know, they're, they're yeah. still kind of 
you know, almost in rehearsal. Right. And so, you know, they're, they're still finding their, you know, it's not like in the, the, the second third of, you know, the, the final third of a tour where every, you know, it's no hold barred, you know, he's taking requests like crazy. And even the band is like, you know, blindsided half the time. So uh, I remember reading the set list, trying to predict what we would see in Chicago. It was at the United center. My wife was pregnant with our first son and the, up until that point, the, um, uh, encore had been pretty static. It was always, it, he always started with girls in their summer clothes and then, you know, moved on to a couple things and dancing in the dark would always close it out. And I was like, okay, great. You know, it's been a great show. A lot of stuff off of magic, which I hadn't really listened to at that point. I had just gotten serious satellite radio and was listening to all these concerts, but I wasn't getting into a lot of the, you know, that, that newer stuff at that point I did after the show, but not before. So when he'd played gypsy biker, I was like, okay, cool. You know, but it wasn't, it wasn't moving me. And I remember, and I still have the video. It's on YouTube. You can find it. He was completely prepared to go into girls in their summer clothes. And I believe a 12 year old kid basically, you know, shouted something. Yeah. And he was completely like taken back. Like, wow, you know, what a, you know, like there's a lot of young people here. Yeah. And he calls for the other guitar and I recognize it immediately. I'm like, oh my goodness, he's changing it up. And he said, this is, we haven't played this in five years. Like they didn't sound check it or nothing. And it was like the first time since um, the rising tour that they played Thunder Road as a band. Wow. And I got to see it. And, and I was like, man, to see it, my first show. Right. Yeah. The, you know, and then my next show, he did the whole Born to Run album, you know, straight right. through. So I got to see Clarence play Jungle Land. And oh. I mean, it was and yeah. then I was kind of like a little I was like um, I, I had tickets to see the Kansas City show, the one that got canceled where he was yep. going to do Born in the USA, which isn't even my favorite album. No. So I had to get that. I had to get that St. Louis show because that was the Born to Run one. So we, we, I think I used some of my rent money to get those tickets because <laughs> I was like, we're going. We're yes. going to get the in-laws to watch these kids. My wife was pregnant with our second son, who's coincidentally his name, Bruce. Yes. And, um, and then, you know, we went to that show. And I'm so glad I did because I drove to Kansas City the next day to see the next show. Right. And it got canceled. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I, <laughs> yes. I saw that because I got to see the whole Born to Run album perform straight through, which he did that for a while. And yeah. I love that personally. I think uh, my dream set list, like you were saying, yeah. I, I would – I would love to see more of that. Just do an anthology of, right. you know, three or four pinnacle albums straight through. And yeah. I mean, that would just be fascinating to me to see that. It is. I, um, you know, I, I did get to hear him see on the magic Two girls in their summer clothes, which I think is his version of a beach boy song. So Definitely, I love yeah. that album. Right. I love that song. Um, so the catcher is, you know, I'm, I'm in Dallas and I see him do thunder road. And I'm like, oh, right. Yay. I finally got to see, you know, it, it because, you know, I remember once um, a couple of um, Babe Laufenberg, who was a backup Dallas Cowboy quarterback and became a sportscaster. And then another um, local Dallas media guy were talking about Bruce one time and they said, and, you know, of course, you know, Born to Run, the greatest rock song of all times. And, you know, Babe said, oh, no, I I think you mean Thunder Road, the greatest rock, rock song right. of all time. <laughs> and they go, no, 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 you know, back and forth. So, um, so my friend Sam, who went to the Dallas show with me, who went with me to Kansas City, um, I think he's a little more obsessed with Bob Dylan, but he is a big Bruce fan. And... Um, he he went to Cincinnati, which was the opening night, the official opening night of the tour, 
the NCA didn't count, and they did Dream Baby Dream at the end with a pump organ. Right. And and he said it was really good, Jesse. And I said, oh, good. I hope I get to see that because I love Dream Baby Dream. So then I went to Nashville, and he closed with Thunder Road. And it was amazing, I mean, you know, um, Nashville. But I was at that show. Remember, they brought the pump organ out. They were yes. ready to do Dream Baby Dream. I was Dream. all ready. And he yes. called an audible, and I'm like, and I, of course, I was perfectly happy. I like Dream Baby Dream, but I'll take Thunder Road any day. Absolutely. And so then he went. I went to Houston, and he closed with Thunder Road. And so I was saying, okay, you know, be careful what you wish for. Right. You, you had you had whined to people that knew seven concerts, never seen Thunder Road. How are you going to complain that you got to hear it three times in a row, Jesse? I right. didn't. It's fine. I'm. A, I, I love Dream Baby Dream. It has become our unofficial family, um, you know, motto. Um, when when it we have this whole ritual before a Dallas Cowboy game, and the last thing we do is play Dream Baby Dream. And then we flip on the TV to watch the game. <laughs> and That's so, great. <laughs> uh, you know, um, but what's hilarious is, you know, getting back like where I said, I, I used to um, sing Thunder Road to each of the kids when they were infants. My oldest, um, you know, all of them still love it. But when they were babies, I, I, I played it so much that when they got into those crying, you know, those colicky fits where they were just, you know, livid and, and screaming. As soon as you play Thunder Road, they start to settle down, and by the time the intro is over, they're almost asleep. Like it's awesome. It's they're like almost in awe, and it's funny. My son sings along to it, and it, there's something a little unnerving about hearing your six or seven year old saying, you know, singing along to "You Ain't a Beauty," but hey, you're all right. Yes. But I, I'm fine with it. I'm like, you know what? If this is this, if this is the stuff that's going to anchor his musical taste for the yeah. rest of his life, that he could do far, you know, he could do far worse. Absolutely. So there is a local musician called Sarah Hickman. Um, she was just coming to. Um, she was signed by Electra Records, did a couple albums, then was released, and she's had a long independent career. She now lives in Austin, but um, Lynn and I early in our marriage. Um, would on Monday nights, and, and a couple of reasons to tell you the story is um, I had Tony on the show, Tony Ginger, who does Bruce Bud's website. Right. And he can't remember how many times he's seen Bruce. Wow. And he says, you know, I know that seems weird, but it's just so often. And, you know, when Sarah was playing at a little local club, um, Lynn and I would get home from work, take a nap, get up at 10 o'clock, drive down to the club, Club Dada. You know, Sarah would go on about 10.30 or 11. She'd play an hour, hour and a half. We'd watch her set. This is every Monday. Go back, get to sleep, and go to work the next day. And so when Sarah when when Sarah put out her first album, on the album notes, it's to Jesse, Linda, and Baby, because Linda was pregnant with Chris. And so just a couple of weeks ago, Alton, um, Sarah was playing at a Poor David's Pub. And uh, Linda couldn't go. Linda's training for her first Ironman, so she's got to get to bed. But Chris said, oh, I'd love to go see Sarah. I haven't seen Sarah in years. And so, you know, he's 26, and his voice is tons deeper than mine. And, you know, Sarah probably had not seen him in six or seven years, and he knew every song. Wow. You know, and, and, and she said um, – and mostly because she was doing an album show. It was the anniversary of her first album. So she played that first album 
eco-scurry people from the beginning to the end. And, um, you know, and he said, I grew up with these songs, uh, you know, and so um, I think that's amazing that they will know, and you've kind of passed this on generational, you, your er, one of your earliest memories is hearing Bruce on the turntable. Right. And you've raised your kids with it. I mean, that's awesome. Well, and, and what's really funny to me is how, um, I, and I don't know how you feel about this, but, you know, it, the, the, the tour in Australia when he went to Brisbane and he starts playing, you know, covers of, yeah. you know, local artists. I don't know how you felt about the cover of Staying Alive. Um, I thought it was the most brilliant thing I've ever seen, personally. Oh, I, I thought it was, you know, and I love that... Um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank of, um, you know, the Gib, Barry Gib, right? Yeah. I guess, right. you know, was moved to tears, right? Right. He was saying, I thought it was, because remember, I went, I graduated high school in 1977. Right. You know, um, you know. So the, you remember the Bee Gees intimately. <laughs> I remember the Bee Gees intimately. I mean, when you were telling your story, I'm thinking, is that why I smile so much when I hear Barry Manilow come on the radio? Possibly, uh, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and El Elton John was the first A track I ever paid for with my own money. Right. Um, you know, so there is that, you know, pomp influence. And and to hear him take what a lot of people would joke about and just you know, and, and if you've ever seen a making of the movie, you know, the Bee Gees were not a quote-unquote disco band it just happened to be that was the style of music they were doing at the time and they got added into this movie and it made them tons of money and it became they became you know internationally successful but when he did that song it was so powerful and and you could tell the band had had rehearsed that right I mean, he had worked on it a lot well and what's amazing to me is how not corny it was like you know you think Bruce Springsteen doing a BG song that's going to sound corny or silly but to me when I watch that and I do show it to friends you know people yeah. who are like wow I got to see this and they're yeah. always blown away but to me what it, it reminds me of and this is what I, I want people to know you know the people who think yeah. who only know Bruce from Born in the USA they think of him as a, a, a you know a one hat you know one trick pony from 30 years ago and he hasn't released anything good since 84 well yeah. um you know, if you've ever watched American Idol, the judges are always telling the contestants about, you know, not just doing a cover, a, a note for note rendition, but yeah. doing, you know, making it their own. And that's the thing that blows me away is, OK, Highway to Hell still sounds like an ACDC song. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, then when he does other songs, whether it's Trapped um, or, you know, or I mean, a host of others, there are um a ton of, you know, especially like, you know, staying alive is a great example yes. of, you know, that's he, how in the world can you make that sound like Bruce Springsteen? And he did it. And it, and it wasn't silly. It wasn't goofy. No, it wasn't it was, corny. It was, it was incredible and genius. And I and thought, when, wow, this should squash forever. The idea that, you know, Bruce is just, you know, uh, only good for one type of thing. You know, he does have a unique style and yes. he can take anything, even disco right. and make it sound like an original. And, you know, it, and why I brought up the fact how much they rehearsed is during that same set of shows when they're on Australia, right? Um, I mentioned Joe LeBlanc. Mm -hmm. You know, he picks that sign up, and I think it's in Melbourne. And you could tell they hadn't rehearsed. And they are so good at what they do that they do. And, you know, and he's got Susie doing, a, you know, a fiddle solo. And they bring out the accordion. And you're just 
How, how did they do this much joy? Right. Um, my friend Sam Lisman, I've stole this line, but um, I now have made it my own. Forget what Disney says. The happiest place on the earth is a Bruce concert. Amen to that. You know, it just there is so much joy, um, and uh, I I think you were there at Nashville, right, where the kid says it's my nineteenth birthday. Play the river, and I'm looking. Have you listened to the river? It's amazing. I know. Well, and I, I, to me, I, this is going to sound maybe a little strange because yeah. I'm not. Um, uh, but you know that that to me, the pinnacle of that show in Nashville. I mean, when when somebody held up the sign to say play Elvis, I said, "Okay, great. What's he going to do? I mean, there's only a handful of Elvis songs that I really, really love. Burning Love being my absolute favorite. And that's the one he decides to play. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, how awesome is this that, you know, here I I knew he was going to play something from Elvis tonight. You know, he's in Nashville after all. Why not? But, you know, what are the odds that it was going to be something that I loved? And of course, it you know, completely rocks the house. I think I saved that YouTube video. Somebody, you know, released a really good, clean version it's, of it. It's amazing. And then, of course, I was telling a, my friend, I have a friend named Eddie, that, you know, a little kid had done, you know, Satisfaction, right? Right. And he said, A, you're proud that the kid made a sign, but really, if it's your kid, he's not asking for Satisfaction, is he? And I said, no, my kid is going to ask for an obscure Bruce song. Right. Uh, but they did a great version of that. Um, of I, both of them. It was incredible. My I love only that. disappointment was I, I had halfway hoped that a local Nashville performer might have joined him on stage for an encore or something. Um, but I couldn't complain. It was a great show. And it yeah. was so much energy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I taped, um, you know, the um, shout, you know, at the end when he's, you know, he does, you've just seen the legendary, you know, a newly members right. of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, and, you know, and there were a couple people around me that really seemed grumpy. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know it's it's small and I I I nudged a lady in front of me and I I spilled part of her beer and I apologized and I offered can I buy you another beer and she said no and and they looked all grumpy and I you know I'm thinking to myself you know did they just think this is a cool place to go or what's going on right and I got mad at myself afterwards because they she was saying every word to every song the moment the music starts she lost all grumpiness and you know that you know because it was like oh when are we going to start and everything and it was just all of a sudden she was lost in the magic of bruce and um you know 50 and 60 year olds become 20 year olds again yeah just rocking well, and what's funny is I remember where I was sitting and, um, I, I, again, nosebleeds. Sure. Um, my wife and I drove four hours to go. And we were with the people who I think just showed up. Like they, they you know, wanted to go someplace that night and they figured, oh, there's still tickets for sale. And they just showed up. And I, and I remember I was, you know, my wife was, again, pregnant. So she was sitting yeah. down. But I was on my feet. I was, you know, in the, in the corridor, jumping up and yeah. down, singing and screaming and pumping my arm. And I remember 
one guy says, could you please sit down? <laughs> and I said, OK, you know, I'm, I'm a peacemaker. Sure. So I'm like, right on, sit down. But then I go back to him afterward, you know, like after this song, when it kind of lows, I says, yeah. if I stay all the way against the, the, the bar, is it OK if I stand up? And he goes, yeah, all the way. I says, no problem. I'm sorry for disturbing you. <laughs> yeah. And he was completely, I guess, like unglued by the politeness, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But I got to enjoy. And, you know, some lady comes down to me after that song and goes, shame on him for telling you to sit down. You're the only person in this section having any fun <laughs> yes it is and, and i said yeah but this is this is why i don't take everybody this is why i take my wife or close friends yes. and family there because i'm not kidding i embarrass myself and i look goofy and stupid and i don't want any just anyone to see me <laughs> so i'm okay with being in the nosebleeds with in the dark lights where only my wife is there to see me jumping up and down like a fool but <laughs> it, you know it's one of those things you can't control so my son has not gone with it he is not a big fan of bruce he wasn't before and it's grown on him he um he was really um unhappy at his job and and was felt like they were pushing him to do a lot of things and he and he was very patient and he said, you know, dad, I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to focus on doing a good job. And then when it comes time for annual review, I said, wait, stop what you're doing. And I pulled the seer sessions. Right. And I put pay me, pay me my money, you know, I <laughs> and he loved it he said yes oh i need to buy the song and uh so there are certain bruce things that have picked up for him so he has I was gonna say hating your job aren't there like 30 songs exactly. bruce has written that speak to that very dilemma <laughs> so um he has said that the next time he does want to go to the show and watch me be a fool and i said it, that would be i said as much as we love going to cowboy games together and like to a ranger game and he loves Brad Paisley, and we've gone to a you know a couple of Brad Paisley concerts together, and so I, I think I, I I'm hoping that the magic of Bruce live affects him, and and we can share that as a father and son. Well, and you know, getting back to those really mm -hmm. tender moments, you know, yeah. he shows. You mentioned the um, you know when Bruce performs Thunder Road and brings yeah. Patty out. Um, I don't know if you remember, but the storytellers on VH1, yes. where he and Patty did Brilliant Disguise, which is coincidentally yes. the the name of my next book. Okay, and I love that. Ver I mean, I've I've loved that song always, but that version mm. is, I mean, probably the sweetest. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a dark way, you know, but a really yeah. beautiful song. And I'm not a particularly you know, I'm not a I'm not a big Patty fan. You know, like yeah. just stylistically, it's it's a, it's it's a bit different from what I'm I'm accustomed to sure. or like. But I'm telling you that that together for that song especially, I mean, just you know, blew me away. Well, and I will tell you, I had a similar thing. Um, the last show I saw, I saw thir three shows in 30 days. It got me up to 10, which um, is you know still minor leagues but you know we we do what we can and um so in houston someone asked for one step up and they brought up the fact that the whole band had not played that since maybe you know the tunnel of love tour and really it was almost just him and patty doing it and it was amazing and i also have a theory i think bruce is ready to be a grandfather because mm -hmm. when you watch how he interacts with children on the tour and how – I know people make fun of Waiting on a Sunny Day, which, by the way, 
I'm sorry. I like waiting on a sunny day. Me too. Yeah, I'm uh, okay with the bringing the kid up yeah, every time. I, it I mean, doesn't I, bother me. Yeah, you know? It didn't bother, you know, and him, <laughs> you know, with the kids coming up. And, you know, I, 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 I love that he starts picking at everybody about the selfies and, you know, and, and having him out and dance and everything. He just seems to... And so I get the feeling he wants a grandkid, or is he just amazed that after 40, 50 years of performing, that there are kids in their teens, you know, that want to hear him sing? Because music has changed. I mean, from the time that I was a teenager to now, you know, popular music has changed so much that you, you think, you know, how in the world could kids have you know, you know, a generation behind me, you know, connect to Bruce's music, you know, they're, they're thinking of that, you know, kind of the way I did at the Beatles when I was a kind of a teenager, you know, like mocking it. Of course, late years later, I'm like, what, what an idiot I was, you know, unbelievable. Um, but I'll tell you, so now you loved waiting on a sunny day. I got to ask because, um, uh, I've only seen I've only seen or heard of Bruce getting booed at a concert one time okay. uh, or actually several times, but it's always around the same song. So I'm going to consider it. But I got to ask, what is your your guilty pleasure Bruce song, the song that everybody seems to love to hate that you love? So I I don't like seeds and he plays it every time he's in Houston <laughs> because it's got Houston town. Right. Uh, you know, and um uh, so, but which one does everybody else? Cause like you said, I guess it's waiting on a sunny day for you because a lot of fans are kind of tired. It's like yeah. It's played out. It doesn't so bother that. You know what? I don't like spirit in the night. Me neither. Okay. I'm not so, that crazy but, about it. I, I mean, it, you know, I'm not going to throw rocks at him, but no. I'm not that i'm not getting moved when he sings yeah. i'm like ah, all right you know, fine. It's the whole introduction and everything and i'm just like well if i have to go to the bathroom now's a good time right like give me incident on 57th street sure but yeah. like spirit of the night i'm dragging i'll tell you i'm i'm gonna uh, and i've been ridiculed you may have seen yeah. it on twitter huh? but i'm gonna come out and say it working on a dream which a lot of people pan the whole album but i think there's some great stuff on there yeah. not gonna lie i actually love queen of the supermarket i find it hilarious and I actually, I, I like the story. I think it's, I, I know it's corny and silly, but yeah. um, I think it's hysterical and I actually love the melody and I like the, the, I like the direction of the song. Uh, I've been, I've been mocked and ridiculed and it's no, the only yeah. time that's the one song that I've seen him get booed at yeah. um, when, when he's performed it to the point where if he does perform it, it's only acoustic because the band doesn't want to play it anymore, I guess. <laughs> but I, I, I love it. I, can't. I like Outlaw Pete, the book. Okay. But I don't particularly care the song that much. Yeah. You know? Maybe if I grew up on Spaghetti Westerns, it would resonate yeah, better. So, but, but yes. Working so, on a dream. I remember I was in yeah. college, you know, going to school online and my wife was pregnant. And, you know, like, boy, that song connected, you know. But And there's a lot of other stuff from that and, album that I just love. Uh, Kingdom was, of Days, my wife and I love. But and I, was, I love Surprise, Surprise, you know. Right. And, and I was so happy to see him at the Super Bowl that yeah. happened. You know, I taped it, you know, I, I hit stop on my, you know, DVR and I started just right there. So I would just have his performance in HD uh, and I kept it for three or four weeks. Every time I felt like, well, I still have him on the daily show. Um, Me too. I still do. Every once in a while, I just want to hear Landon Hope and Dreams. Right. Um, So, okay. We are 
55 minutes into our okay, discussion. Okay, right on. Yeah. We have not even talked about your book. Okay. So I, I know. I, I, you know what? And I just realized in my introduction, yes, I'm Alton Bach. I'm an author from New Jersey. I should have said that at the beginning, and I did it. <laughs> so um, I, I hopefully you're not rushed on time. Not but see, that. this is why and to, this is why I think – I hope people enjoy the conversation as much as we do having it. Right. But I, because I do, I love talking Bruce to people and everyone comes with a different perspective and a different thought. But tell us a little bit about your book, Jungle Land, and talk us about, you know, your background. Why did you decide to write it? I have read it. I loved it. And uh, then also talk about your next one. Well, thank you. Um, thank you very much for reading it. I'm glad you liked it. Um, I, I grew up on LBI, which is where the, the story is set. And um, the original idea that I had for a uh, it was more of a father son uh, story about a uh, father and son reconnecting on fishing trips to the Jersey Shore. Some of it was a little autobiographical, a little bit too intimate. I kind of got away from it. I threw out this um, time travel element um, to kind of, you know, have the, the kid, you know, going back into younger versions of himself, trying to kind of piece together, right. you know, what went wrong in his relationship with his father. And I say, now that I think about it, it's still a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then I, I really liked, I mean, uh, all of my books have a time travel element. I'm, I'm a child of the eighties. So I grew up on back to the future and the Terminator and, you know, all this, you Bottom know, great, this great time travel stuff. And, yeah. Um, it, it just, you know, connects with me, you know, as a, as a reader and a, a viewer. So it's this sort of thing I like, but, um, you know, the, what's frustrating for me is there are a lot of people who, you know, who know me and know the places I talk about in jungle land and on Long Beach Island in New Jersey. Um, a lot of the places, uh, restaurants and other places are places that I did go to. Uh, there are elements of Danny that are obviously based on me. There are, uh, uh, characters that are loosely based on either uh, real people or kind of amalgams of, you know, uh, several different people, you know, rolled sure. into one. Um, it's always very frustrating as an artist when um, somebody's talking to you about the book and instead of referring to the, the, the character's name, in this case, Danny, and saying, well, when, I liked when Danny did this, they say, I liked when you did this. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, am I, am I, is it that transparent or... Yeah. Um, but you know, that, that, uh, so, I mean, for those of uh, those uninitiated hearing, I'm talking about a book, people are like, what is it about? Uh, it's about a guy who is, you know, filled with regret. He's, uh, got his first child on the way. His marriage is falling apart. He, uh, attends a Bruce Springsteen concert and the magic of Bruce sends him back to, uh, the Jersey shore. He's now sent, he's back in time in his 18 year old body and has a, a week to relive the past and try to fix one of his biggest mistakes. And, uh, you know, not going not gonna to give away the ending, of course, yeah. but um, yeah, kind of like an 18 again, back to the future um, with, uh, you know, a couple other, I mean, goodness, I, there's, I, I ripped off so many other movies, didn't I? <laughs> well, but I think, it, you know, you stand, you made it your own, uh, you know, to talk about, you know, you, you may have done a couple of covers but you didn't do it note for note. You made it unique. And and I really – I felt his pain. Um, I think um, – and now that I know you're a fairly new father, I see a little bit more, you know, of that because, I, you know, my son is now, like I said, 26. But I remember that feeling with when she – you know, when Linda was pregnant, I would sit there – and oh, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. 
And then she would fall asleep and I would stare at the ceiling worrying, oh, my God, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Right. You know, so there's a lot of, um, you know, and I'm a sucker for redemption. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I that if if I have a go to story, it's someone trying to redeem themselves and someone to try to because I believe there's everyone deserves second chances. And I don't think it's ever too late to to, you know, We've got one more chance to make it real. I mean, right. you know, I believe you can do that. You can do this. And so you were right in my wheelhouse and, you know, I got it and I loved it and was truly not sure, you know, I was hoping for a happy ending, mm-hmm. but you know, I wasn't sure the whole time. Well, and what's funny, you know, mystery reader, mystery writers, especially, you know, their little secret is they write the ending first and then go backwards, throwing little red herrings at you along the way to keep you off the trail. Right. Um, so they're they're one of the few genre writers that actually work in reverse. Um, yeah. What I what I liked, you know, I the last thing I wanted was again. It's uh, maybe a little formulaic in that, you know, Nicholas Sparks, you know, that is somebody, sure. somebody have kind of compared it to me, you know, it's set at the beach, it's a summer romance, you know, it, it, it kind of has this, you know, predictability to the end. And I really didn't want that. I really wanted to keep people, um, you know, the, the yeah. big reveal, obviously, I wanted to try to bury and keep hidden mm-hmm. as long as I could. Um, that's the, one of the reasons I had, um, you know, when he was in a car or in a restaurant and would hear a Bruce Springsteen song on the radio. And it was a song that hadn't come out yet in 1995. Yes. Um, it was just, OK, is this real? Is Did he really go back in time? Is he dreaming? You know, how is this happening? I, I, I had a lot of fun with that because the last thing I wanted was anyone jumping, you know, getting ahead of it. And what's funny is uh, every uh, early release, you know, reader, uh, editor mm-hmm. that I had read it, when that big reveal, you know, when it drops, everybody goes, yeah. oh, wow, like nobody saw it coming. And I'm thinking, man, I feel like such a success. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if nobody, if, if somebody, I felt like if that, if that was obvious from the beginning, then mm-hmm. uh, I need to hang up my spurs and find another hobby or find another, uh, another art form because, uh, yeah. but that was, that was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad you liked it, by the way. Yeah, I did. And, you know, there, there's this, and and I don't want to give too much away, but you kind of, you know, a common theme, right, is that time moves at different paces. Right. And, you know, what what could be only a few minutes in real time could be, you know, days or weeks or months in the past. And so, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, if if he doesn't fix this before the end of the concert you know, he's screwed. Right. And, and by having those songs kept that feeling of you, you have a finite amount of time, you have a finite amount of time and it made it a lot more suspenseful to me. He's got to make it work. You know, he said, yeah. you know, at, at Saturday, he, it's over. And, and the thing is, is, you know, will anything really change? That was the other thing. Again, yeah. is this, a, if it's a dream, then none of it matters. But what if it is real, you know, and, and that was a, that's a lot of fun to mess with. That really Absolutely. is. Before we get to your new book, I have to ask you though, did sure. you, have you read the book replay by Ken Grimwood? No, I have okay. not. So let me I, make a note of that. Okay, yeah. the The premise is um, the guy's forty three. He's unhappy with his life, and um, he's having a heart attack. And he wakes up, and he's eighteen, remembering Ooh. everything. And he lives his life. He dies, and he wakes up, and he's eighteen again. Wow. 
And so the book continues that, and there's a couple of twists I won't tell you. But the idea, not only is it a great book, but you get you the idea, as did yours, if I could go back, where would I go back to? Mm -hmm. And what would I want to change? And is there things I would want to change? Um, I'm a big... um, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and my other podcast is a Doctor Who podcast. Awesome. And, and I've made the joke that if I had a TARDIS, I would go back to all the Springsteen concerts that I could think. <laughs> um, but if it's not for that, I would go back to a time when I was 10 or 11 at my grandparents' dairy farm, you know, when it was in the fall and it's cool outside and we're shelling peas and the my grandparents and my parents and my cousins and aunts and uncles are all telling stories and and there's just this peaceness to it. So um so I got a little bit of that from your book and the idea and and so I recommend this one pretty strong. Uh, I got to I got to check it out but I'm I feel like a part of me is going to hate it because I'm going to be jealous. That, <laughs> that no, no, no. Did. And yeah. I you know it's funny people have asked me before you know if I could go back like Danny and you know yeah. go you know relive a week of my life what um I, I I think only if I knew it wouldn't affect you know uh reality you know if it didn't alter anything fine because uh, you know, I mentioned this, you know, growing up in a dysfunctional family. Sure, there's lots of things you want to change. But let's, you know, the the thing I, I try to remember, um, you know, I don't know if you've read um, uh, Peter uh, Carlin, you know, Carlin's book about, you know, the uh, the biography on Bruce. Yeah. And all the tragedy that went on in the, the Springsteen household. But, you know, you can see these connective threads that through that tragedy, you know, yes. and through all that stuff came the, you know, the man whose music we all love. And, and you know, it makes me wonder, OK, all that stuff was, you know, in my life, let's say was horrible. And, yeah, you'd love to change it on the surface. But yeah. I've got a, you know, a terrific. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better wife. We've got four beautiful children together. Despite all my flaws, my wife tells me there's still, you know, there's a lot of good in me. And yeah. so, um, you know, it's, it's brought me to this moment. And it's made me yeah. the person I am. So really, do I do I want to change it? You know, in Danny's case, he's really up the creek without a paddle. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't think he you know, he has anything to lose. But in my case, personally, yeah. I, I'm sure you agree. You know, yeah. anything anytime you would mess with the past could affect your Absolutely. reality today. And so I would yeah. probably pass unless I knew it was just for fun. Well, and, you know, one of the things that to make this, you know, totally full circle you know sarah has a line um in one of her songs my mistakes have brought me to this place exactly you know and you know that's a powerful sentiment and you know if you didn't have and it goes back to i'm currently in search of a new work home Mm -hmm. and you know i listen to better days a lot to remind myself that these are better days that the journey is what's important and and to you know don't waste your you know life waiting for your ship to come in that you know this is it so right absolutely now you mentioned a new book so yes. tell us a little bit about it uh this one is called brilliant disguise it follows a little bit of you know obviously the bruce theme although it um it doesn't involve um it does involve time travel but it's a new it's a new kick um the thing, the other great movie I always enjoyed a lot of was uh, Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Sure. Um, original draft of this story um, had the protagonist reliving the same day over and over, which okay. works great in an hour and a half long movie. But in a book, after right. the third or fourth day, the reader is like, oh, my God, nobody yes. remembers anything. 
Um, so I, I put in my own little original twist. Um, it's about a superhero who okay. um, has to relive the same um, day over and over until she learns how to balance her work and family life. And, oh, nice. Um, she cannot. She's. It's a, a big day for her. She's got the day off from saving the world, wants to see Springsteen. And every time Brilliant Disguise is over, she gets sent back to earlier in the day. And all she wants to do is solve whatever is causing this glitch so she can enjoy the rest of the show. So, oh, neat. Uh, I kind of like the idea of here she is dealing with international, you know, all this yeah. crazy, you know, I, I throw some sci-fi stuff in there. So there's sure. spaceships and aliens and all that. But none of that matters to her. She's just, she just wants to see Bruce. <laughs> she yes. wants it all to be over. So, uh, and then the interest, the, the twist on this is that um, each time she goes back, uh, someone uh, close to her come, goes back with her. And oh, so neat. it's not just her reliving the day. Uh, there are other people dragged into it. And so if she doesn't put a stop to it, it will, you know, kind of unravel and get out of control. So mm -hmm. there's a, there's a real threat. This isn't something she wants to do forever, but it's a, so it's brilliant disguise. I had planned on it coming out later this month, but um, life and work got in the way. And I so understand. I'm, I'm hoping to have it, uh, done by the end of the year. And, um, you know, we'll go, I'll, I'll go from there. And I've got a ton of other, uh, Springsteen inspired <laughs> books Good. in okay. the, in the work as well. So, Good. Uh, so. so we're going to close this up pretty quick, but is there any, is there a wish list of, of songs you want to hear him when hopefully he does a tour next year? Oh my goodness. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. yeah. I know it's been so long. Yes, it is. We got uh, spoiled there because you know, that, um, the wrecking ball kind of high hopes tour kind of warped into this almost two years of, and, and oh, what a great band, you know, no kidding, right? with the horns and the background vocals and, and, um, you know, I personally, Tom Morella doesn't bother me. Not at all. You know, right. I, I, you know, you could tell he is having a blast, right? You know, that he is just enjoying. In fact, the whole band, just look like this is uh, the I, most fun they've ever had. It's I can't funny, believe right? I'm getting paid to do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I would, um, I would have to say uh, that, like I said, that, that Bruce and Patty version of brilliant disguise. Um, I don't think it's ever happened in concert. Maybe, yeah. maybe somebody can correct me, but I don't think it, and I don't think they ever opened a show, but um, Ooh, in, in, in the new book, that's exactly what happened. It's the Bruce and Patty rendition of brilliant disguise okay. that opens the show and sends the hero back in time. But okay. I would love to see that perform live. Good. You mentioned better days. Yeah. Uh, I would, that's a favorite of mine as well. Absolutely. And I, I, can't get i you know if i heard thunder road at every show for the rest of my life i'd be fine with it there you go um so if our listeners want to reach you how can they find you Where uh, can they find your books they can find our uh, books are available uh anywhere you can get ebooks amazon um you can get a print copy if you'd like um you can reach out to me at, at Alton Bach on Twitter. Um, fans are welcome to uh, send in their thoughts uh, at altonbach at gmail.com. I always love getting email from readers and fans. Um, and look forward to the new book, hopefully coming out before the end of the year. Well, very nice. Um, you know, we're going to have to have you on again. Um, maybe uh, when he announces a tour, we can have it. The other thing I'd like to do is I wouldn't mind uh, having... Um, different guests come in. We kind of 
you know, two or three of us go through an album, you know, track by track and kind of talk about what works, what doesn't work, what it means for you. If you have any memories, I, I think that would oh, be, that'd a, be a lot of fun. Yeah, yes, I would be I would be agreeable to that. That'd be a blast. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. If you want to be on the podcast, dear listener, and talk about Bruce and all that implies, please send us an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. My personal uh, Twitter is at Jesse Jackson, DFW. We also have a Set Lusting Bruce and, on Twitter. And we're going to close it by saying, My heart's dark, but it's rising. I'm pulling all the faith I can see. Thank you, and we will see you at the next door. Bye! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.